And welcome back to A3's The Academy Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Beckwith, and I'm here with AJ Orange. Okay. We want to dive into some training aspects and modalities today that often gets lost in translation. And we also want to kind of jump into philosophy as well, that we talk a lot about strength. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talk out there about strength, how to do it, when to do it. Uh, how strength really is all that matters in the off season. And while as strength coaches, we completely 100% agree that strength is very important. We also like to dive a little bit deeper into that and, and look at the functionality of what we're doing, when we're doing, and how we're doing, and, and what we're using from a strength mechanism, right? And we're going to dive into some of the testing that we've done in the last couple of weeks to show examples of what we're talking about and show the different strength levels and then also the functional levels that have happened. And it was a very short period. We're talking, uh, it was a five or six week cycle because that's all we had. And we're going to use those as examples today of, of the improvements that we saw and show how that correlates to strength gain and, and what's going to happen in their sport. But again, I think one of the things that gets lost is we get stuck in our industry as strength coaches that we kind of take over the athlete, that the strength becomes all that matters to us because those are those are our data points, right? Those are that's that's those our metric. That's right? that's what we have to use to show that when the athlete is with us that they've either gotten better, they've plateaued off or, or whatever that might be. And I think what we like, I shouldn't say, I think we know that going through this process, we actually prefer to go more functional route mm -hmm. because strength is strength. Yes. Strength is very important. And if you can lift 500 pounds, that's fantastic. Great. If you can do it in a healthy, safe way and make that bar move and make that weight move, that is great. But at the same time, it goes back to one of our earlier conversations that we've had that I would prefer to see you move 315 pounds for 350 pounds, 10 to 15 times, 20 times more than I would like to see a 500 pound one rep squat. Now, again, th that's going back to the idea that, you know, obviously strength is important. But as an athlete, what we're talking about here. And even from a, a general strength perspective, right? And, you know, that one rep max concept, I like to save that for the competition. You know, if I'm a power lifter, if I, if I'm a Olympic lifter, that's where we're saving that for, you know, and we've got to talk about rounds. I mean, even when you're talking about warming up and you're going through the different rounds of competition, it, there's still some strength endurance involved there. Right. And so I don't want to, you know, burn my load right away going through warm up sets and then have to go after that one rep max in the competition. So that's on a whole other planet compared to what we're talking about with an athlete. But at the same time, there are correlations there because as an athlete, I am on that field, that court, that track, that whatever to do it multiple times, doing it one time is not enough. And if I'm training myself from a physiological standpoint and a neuromuscular standpoint to only do it one time, it's not going to serve me all that well down the line. Yes, I'll be strong. Yes, my body will be in a very strong position, but I've got to be able to resort back to something. And so in your career, AJ, you've seen this in college, especially, and I'm, 
and the reason I want to bring this up is because I don't think a lot of people understand this at the professional level. And, you know, a lot of times that's what we end up comparing things to is what we see on TV. And that's the pros that at the collegiate level, we get a lot of the one rep max mentality. We get a lot of the just train until your legs fall off mentality in the weight room. Heavy, 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 heavy. We're using, uh, belts and and knee braces and elbow braces and bench suits and all those things to press those numbers higher and higher and higher when in reality when you're on the field you don't get to wear those things so that strength that's happening in the weight room when I'm wearing all these different braces and belts and all those things that's not reality that's not what my body is really going to be capable of doing out in competition we like to compare things to what we see on TV, what the entertainment level is of everything else. And, and we start looking at, you know, all the different data points that you see from the NFL combine. And then you are watching a guy play four years later, like, oh yeah, well he only ran this and he jumped this. And, but I don't think people really understand what's going on at the pro level from a lifting standpoint that, you know, when your body is your tool and your tool is how you make money, not only for you, but for the organization and for the league that we're not, taking the safety risk in the weight room by throwing 500 pounds on the back never right and so i wanted to if you can walk people through that differential of going from a collegiate weight room where numbers are all that mattered and data points in that circumstance are all that matter in the weight room and with the strength coaches to the difference at the nfl level where we say all the time your best ability is availability. Yes. And obviously football being a very violent sport and we can go down to any major league uh, sport that we're talking about here. It, it really comes down to how is your body going to perform every time that you have to put the Jersey on? Cause that's what matters. If you could walk us through that, like what was that like for you coming out of the collegiate setting and walking into the, the NFL the first time going, wait a second, this is not, this isn't the same thing. Right. Well, um, for me, um, like you said, at the collegiate level, numbers are all that matter, right? And as a collegiate athlete at that time, that's all I really cared about because I'm only basing myself off what of the person in front of me has done or, you know, the person that came from my school, their statistics at the combine. Everybody's comparing contrast because you're trying to get to something. You're preparing for something, right? Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of one rep max trying to build strength. Not a lot of functional movement stuff outside of what we did on the practice field. Um, it would be, you know, drill sport or position specific stuff on the field. And then in the weight room, it was all strength, squat, clean, power clean, that kind of stuff, bench. Um, not a lot of plyos, running, sprinting, much more in line with like just conditioning, you know, trying to break people for the most part in the off season um, at the collegiate level. And then, um, getting into the, you know, getting into be a pro, um, their approach is completely different. You know, at the collegiate level, everybody wants to be big, fast, strong, you know, as big as they can be and yada, yada. And then when you become a pro at that point, you know, your body's your moneymaker. Um, if you're on a team, that organization has invested X amount of dollars into you and they only make money if you're healthy, right? Otherwise they're just losing money by paying you to be injured. Okay. So, um, takes a d completely different approach because in the collegiate level, um, they want their players to play. Um, but again, they're not, 
paying you uh, X dollars amount or whatever, whatever they need you to play. So, you know, it's next man up, who's ever in line, seniority, whatever it is, politics play into it. Um, but as far as being a pro, they care so much about you being healthy that, again, there's no one rep maxing. There's no like over the bearing heavy lifting like. You know, in retrospect, you see guys like James Harrison lifting the house, right? He's a freak athlete, right? right? Not a right. lot of guys are doing that in the weight room every single day. Or should they? <laughs> or, you know, and like, you know, and like he says in his videos, don't try this at home. You know, right. you really shouldn't because it's a lot of weight. And as an athlete, you know, to remain healthy throughout the season, play all 16 games or whatever it is, you have to be diligent at what you're working out. And if you continue to load the bar over, over and over and over while you're playing this full context sport, you're more inclined to get injured. And you see it with people that continue to lift and only do strength and not focus on mobility, stretching, things like that. You load the bar and then you go out and you're so strong, but the knee has never been in a position before and it just turns in a little bit and you blow your ACL out. Right. And so for me, when I get to the pro level, I notice things, things you, you find, you know, people outside of the organization, professionals that, know these things and then they incite you like this is what matters and then when you start to do it you feel the difference between being functionally strong and just being you know like a brick house strong uh not able to move um for me i came in being professional a little bit overweight i was like 205 i think i thought i had to be big fast strong i get there they're like you're way too heavy mm -hmm. like you know we don't want you to be stiff we want you we want you know the agile the fast guy and as a defensive back you kind of have to be. I have to be able to do the same movements that you are planning to do in reaction to you and do it faster. So, you know, and I believed I was like, all right, you know, you're right, because I felt 10 times better when I was a little bit lighter. I felt a little bit faster. Maybe I wasn't as strong, but I was still able to move my body weight in and out of space faster than I could at the weight that when I was bigger, faster, stronger. Right. So they tell me I need to drop weight. I drop weight. And, you know, it's day in and day out, I'm, I'm come from, you know, being undrafted to now I'm starting because I'm back at my normal weight. I'm being more, I'm more agile. I'm playing a little bit faster than everybody. And I'm completely comfortable with what I'm doing versus coming out of college. I'm thinking I need to do this X, Y, and Z because of my strength coach. Um, just, you know, college culture, whatever it is that you just have to believe that that's what you need to do in order to get to the next level. And yes, you do need to be strong, but with that, you have to be able to be athletic moving in and out of space and whatever your your sport is you have to be flexible and mobile and all those things will keep you healthy right and you know you can't make the club in the tub right that's right. very cliche in football right? right if you're in the ice tub every single day um you can't make the team me as a veteran now these days i'm in there every single day just to maintain right, right? just because that's what makes my body feel good but right. most of the guys because injuries like you know, like a taboo, like they don't, you don't want to be injured. No, you won't tell anybody if you're injured. So nobody wants to get in the cold tub. Nobody wants right. to look like they're sore or anything like that. And I think that's a very like toxic part of the culture because it's a gladiator sport. You're, I, I should be expected to be sore after a game. Right. Versus like just push through it, get through practice and this and that, because you know, you can't just, it's like getting a car wreck 10 times in a row. Right. And then I'm just supposed to do it again and again and again and again and be healthy and help, you know, and in order to do that, you have to take care of your body. You can't keep, keep doing the same things and like lifting off season strength is fine. You're not getting into a car accident every Sunday. 
right? So it's a little bit different. But when you're in the season and, you know, collegiate level is exactly the same, they, they continue to load the bar even during the season because you want to get strong, whether or not we don't know if we're going to play, we don't know what's going on. It's very routine, very programmed versus in the pros. You know, you have people working outside, dealing with professionals outside, and um, um, some guys are doing other things like auxiliary stuff, like, you know, the strength plan and the strength plan. Most of the time, it's never really loading the bar. We're not, they don't, they're not looking for one rep maxes. They're looking for you to maintain whatever you have, whatever um, is the healthiest for you that they think that, you know, whether you need to drop weight or add a little bit, but it's never, we're trying to get you stronger here. We're, we have already invested our money in you. We know what you're capable of. And now we want you to maintain and be healthy and just be ready whenever we call you. And that's, uh, you know, to, there's so many things that you said that I wish every parent could hear about the transition from college to pro because that's everybody's dream, right? You start playing youth sports and your dream, I would say 90% of the time is to go to the professional level and whatever that sport is. And one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear all the time that I try to communicate to parents that that just isn't correct is exactly what you said. So you said coming in at 205, you were overweight. Now let me clarify for everybody that's listening what that means. That does not mean he came in out of shape. Right. What that means <laughs> no, was is shape. he yeah. was in very, very, very good shape. I mean, when you're going 40 plus inches in the vertical, you're in very good shape, especially at 205. So what he means by that is he's saying the club came in and said, look, I need you at 195 mm -hmm. because I need you to be agile and quick and I need you to do the things that I need you to do at 205. You're going to be too heavy to do that. Mm -hmm. Plus, I was putting pads on. Plus, so. you're putting pads on. So mm -hmm. add another eight pounds mm -hmm. plus. Right. So now you're looking at my playing weight if starting at 205 plus eight. So now you're looking at, you know, what we're talking about here at 213 pounds moving around the field versus you know, if you were playing against a receiver who runs a four three four four and only weighs 180 pounds, mm -hmm. you know, this is a completely different ball game. Exactly. So when you start looking at those things, you know, I, I hear it constantly that people think, oh, my kid needs to gain weight. No, they don't. Mm -hmm. Not yet. They don't Not let yet, that yeah. happen naturally. Right. Because it's all about movement pattern recognition. Yes. And when we and what I mean by that from, you know, to break it down a little bit further is force in, force out, right? That everything that I do is based on how my body interprets the force that's being created into me. Mm -hmm. So when I run, when I land, when I change direction, when I'm doing all these things, that I've got to be able to absorb force really, really well. So if I'm at 205, and my heaviest, I think I was 202. Mm -hmm. So pretty that was, similar. That was to my that. heaviest. Yeah. yeah. So, and same thing happened to me that if, if I, if I were down at the 193, 192 range, that's when I was my most explosive, mm -hmm. my fastest, I felt the best, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Point to all of that is when I'm sprinting and jumping and landing, I'm creating up to, if not more than 10 times my body weight mm -hmm. of ground force, every single step that I take. So using a 40 yard dash, which isn't my favorite test, but using that as an example, that if I'm taking 22 strides and I weigh 200 pounds, so take your 200 pounds, multiply it by 10 to make that simple, and then take that number and multiply it by 22. That's how many pounds of pressure you just absorbed. So at 205, if if I'm if my knee is two millimeters out, so now we'll get into mm -hmm. the strength side. Right. Right. So I'm 205. I just absorb this is exorbitant amount of force in one single 40 yard dash. 
And if you think about being a defensive back, I mean, you're probably back and forth sprinting 1500 meters, mm -hmm. you know, like running an interval workout. Okay. So if you take that number and let's say we go into the squat idea, a very controversial thing in, in strength conditioning and powerlifting and all that is toes out versus toes straight. Mm -hmm. And I'm a firm believer in toes straight because of the mobility that it takes to do it, the engaging of the adductors, uh, you know, the abs, the spine, the way it activates the glutes, how you're taking the compound movement of the ankle, the knee and the hip together on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I have trained myself over and over and over on at load with my toes out, which means my knees are out mm -hmm. and I go into a sprint mechanic and I have to change direction. It goes back to the other thing you were talking about that. Now, all of a sudden we're talking about knee issues, mm -hmm. back issues, hip issues, right. which happen very, very often. And if, if anybody's been paying attention to the collegian, the pro levels right now, guys are blowing their knees it's up mm -hmm. all over the place. And so when we start talking about that aspect of it, you know, being 10 pounds lighter in most cases is not really that big of a deal because if I'm going to hit somebody, it's about the force I'm producing into you, right? Not the eight pounds of body mass, right? So if I'm able to be more efficient and faster and quicker, and then I lay into you, it's going to hurt a lot more than if I were eight pounds heavier, not as fast and not as efficient in my movement, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's, it's a torpedo. So, okay, so now let's look at ground force. So now that equation that I just gave you, if you take 195 pounds, multiply that by 10, then multiply that by 22, you see a pretty big difference. And so now what we're talking about from an absorbing standpoint is number one, I'm lighter, so I'm not absorbing as much force. But the flip side is because of that differential of 10 pounds, I'm able to produce more because I'm in a better position. Now we go into the squats and the deadlifts and the cleans and all those things. And we start looking about alignment. Okay, well, I know that, yes, is my knee ever going to, you know, face in a, a degree of, you know, pointing to the exterior? Yes, it's going to from time to time. But if I don't understand how to engage my adductors, which is your inner thigh, with my abs and my glutes at the same time, that's when my knee continues to move into that outer angle. And mm. that's when injury happens in mm. open space. And that's, that's a the, problem. The adductor shuts down. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's it's not able it's to open up, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the nerves and the ankle and everything else. And so this is where we get to on the strength side that, you know, you you've got to put all of those things into play. And that's my point of... If, if every parent could understand that at the professional level, you're watching the top tier of the top tier and you're looking at, at athletes that are a 0.0001% of the population mm -hmm. from a strength level, from a speed level, from a comprehension standpoint. I mean, everything that we're talking about here, and that's why it's so fun to watch because it is a gladiator sport. And, and that's anything, hockey, soccer, mm -hmm. basketball, baseball, football lacrosse i mean go down the list any olympic sport you can think of we're talking about the upper echelon of the human race as far as athleticism yeah. and movement patterns so when we start talking about all those things what we need to understand that it's about efficiency and if i'm going to be as efficient as possible then my strength side of my training also needs to be as efficient as possible so for anyone that's listening to this if you're sitting down, 
I want you to do a quick test and we're going to do it too while we're doing it. So what I want you to do is as you're sitting there, I want you to push your toes out. So like your knees and your toes are pointing out and try to stand up from there and see what that feels like, <laughs> like rock and stand up from there. Yeah. You're going to feel, it's going to feel kind of weird. Now yeah. put your toes straight mm -hmm. and stand up. Ooh, now so much you can better. feel the engagement difference. So do it again. Toes out. Feels way stand more stable. Yeah. Right. Toes straight, stand up. I want you to feel the difference in your abs, in your quads, in your glutes. And now we start talking about going into, you know, we've talked about this before, about box squats as an example, how people go into a box squat and they rock, they come down, they sit, mm -hmm. they rock back to come forward. And they talk about, well, that's how you get out of the hole, the hole meaning the depth that you get to. Okay, so let's play with that. So now we're talking about load on our back. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've got weight on my back, whether it's, you know, back squat or front squat, either one. So when we start talking about that, now all of a sudden I'm taking load and now I'm moving my spine to get out of that position. Right. And the reason we have to do that many times is because our toes and knees are out. So the only way for me to get that load to be able to move forward is I've got to rock yeah. it forward. Now, when I rock it forward, okay, let's go into the function of this. Now, as a football player, as an example, since I'm sitting in the room with a football player, I am now training myself to put my head down when I go in to make contact. Right. That is a very, 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 very bad thing. bad thing. Not only for you, but in the football now and the way it's played now, you're getting ejected for head hunting. Yes. And leading with your helmet. So. It's very dangerous because, you know, from a concussion standpoint, we can go on and on about that, but that's not what this podcast is about. But you can see where I'm talking about from a functional standpoint of why it's so important to focus on the efficiency of what you're doing and how it's going to translate into the point of it. Because again, strength training is a function of athleticism. But if in that function, I'm not focused on the athleticism and the efficiency of what I'm doing. And I'm only focused on, I can lift 10 pounds heavier. So I, whatever that means, braces to, you know, different foot positions or whatever, I am putting myself at a greater risk of injury when I go to use said strength. And that's one of the best ways I can communicate it. So what I want to get across is from a testing perspective. So Recently, uh, we did some testing with some it was some soccer players. And this group of soccer players, we used 135 for the squat and the deadlift. Purpose for that. We did it for 30 seconds because I wanted to see some strength endurance. We used 135 because it was a very easy, controllable weight for them. Mm -hmm. And I gave them 30 seconds to push through. Now, could they have done more reps, max effort, and done, you know, five or 10 more in that, you know, Without time constraint, yes, of course they could. But I want to I want to read off this and then explain what it means. So we had a we had a young man who had 135 on his back, and when I say the rep that he did, I am being very strict on his movement pattern. So if he doesn't get the depth that he's supposed to get, so what I did is I also gave them a target. So what I did is I put a rubber plate on the ground and then put a med ball on top of that. And they had to make contact with it, not slam on it, just make contact with it. 
just so that's how the rep's going to count. If their back rounds, if their feet move, the rep doesn't count. So within 30 seconds, this young man, the first time we tested, did 20 reps. Okay, so when we start talking about, okay, I did 20 reps of 135. So when we start talking about periodization, how do we train? How do we go through those different uh, positions? I want to be able to know when I'm doing an 80% max load or when I'm doing a 90% max load or whatever that, you know, whatever that week is calling for, right, in the mm -hmm. program. So if I do 135 20 times, I can do 225 pounds, roughly based right. on the equation how to get a one rep, max one rep max without doing a one rep max. So when you start calculating that out, could he have done more? Yes. So typically I use five or six more reps and use that number. So for him, you know, 235, 240 as his number for when we start talking about different percentages that we use. Okay. So now going back into it, we tested five weeks later. And again, we're talking about, did I load him heavy? No, he never loaded anything over 200 pounds, not one time. And we did a lot of plyos, a lot of the functional stuff that soccer players need from plyos to landing, to jumping, to sprinting, mm -hmm. to change of direction, to abs and hips, which we're going to get into as well. And he then, the next time we tested, it was again, five, it was after a six week period. And that included that first round of testing. So really five weeks of training. He did 135 pounds in a 30 second period, 32 times. That's 12 more times. Now, all of the young men that tested, they all did 10 or more, more. So now when we start looking at, okay, let's look at that calculation. He just went from a 225 pound max to a 280 pound max mm -hmm. in a matter of five weeks, not ever really having to go very heavy because again, now we're talking about position. Oh, and by the way, the second time he did it, he only used a med ball and not a plate and a med ball. So he was getting lower. So he's getting even lower. Mm. And he was getting into a better position because he was able to. So when you're starting to talk about <clears throat> these things, now the same thing happened in the deadlift. Again, this young man in the deadlift, he went from 10 to 25. So he did 15 more reps in the deadlift. So now, okay, let's start talking about functionality. Okay, so now I'm able to hold a position longer. And this kid's a, a defender. So when you start looking at a defender, well, you know, I'm making contact with people. It's pretty violent sport. Soccer is, um, you don't get to wear pads. So you're making contact with legs and shoulders and heads and all those. And now I am required with no stoppage in play to constantly defend mm -hmm. and be on and on and on and on and on. So my squat went up 12 reps, which again, equated to almost 60 pounds. And then my deadlift went up 15 reps, which is a big jump as well. So now when we start talking about, okay, well, let's look at uh, balancing. Okay, when well, we do our balance and reach like we've talked about. So he actually did pretty well the first time. Mm -hmm. And we have 20 seconds to do it. And you're holding a he was holding a 26 pound kettlebell. And you're holding it in your right hand standing on your left leg. And only your left leg can be in contact with the ground. You're doing the compound movement squat deadlift kind of deal where your ankle, your knee, and your hip are all moving at the same time, going down, keeping a good spinal spine angle. So he went down on his left foot. He did 14 the first time. And on his right foot, he did 12 the first time because he was losing balance or whatever. If at any point you put your foot on the ground, the, the test is over. Okay, now this time he did 25 on the left and 25 on the right. 
dead even on his balance, which is huge. Yeah. Same weight, all of that. Okay, so let's let's look at his broad jump. He went from seven feet in a broad jump to seven eight. So translatable, right? Mm-hmm. Now he's more explosive. When we go into five consecutive broad jumps, should translate to right. He went from thirty five to forty. That's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, it is. I mean, when you start talking about thirty five to forty, and you're adding one foot per consecutively, that's a big jump. Okay, so now let's look at his standing 30. So that means standing on a line, and I like to use 30 30 meters. Uh, The reason I like that is because typically in any given sport, running 40 or more is, unless you're a track athlete, isn't typically happen a whole lot. Uh, 30 is probably the upper echelon as much as you're going to be in a full-out go. Obviously, in soccer, there's going to be times in the games where you might be at 60 or 80, but that's rare. So the majority of the time, if we were to average it down, it's probably in that, you know, 30 range. That's why just FYI, I like to use that. So he went from a 3.84 in his standing 30. So standing on the line, running out for 30 meters down to 3.30 yards, sorry, 3.42. 3. 3.84 to 3.42. That's a four tenths of a second. In five weeks, yeah, it's a it's big in, jump. It's incredible. Then his flying thirty, which is my favorite test, he went from a three point two to a two point eight eight. So let's put that into perspective. I'm in a flying thirty, so that means I get a running start, and they got about a twenty yard head start. So they start at one. At once they hit that mark, there's a cone out, and then they get timed. Boom! At that first cone, after they've already run twenty, and then they get time for the next thirty. So you're your top end speed. So let's just do the, the simple math here that this young man went from a 1.05, one point, sorry, 1.06 per 10 yards to under a second hmm. per 10 yards. Now, in a soccer match, in a football match, in a basketball game, in a lacrosse match, I mean, I could go on and on and on with sports. Going from being over a second per 10 yards to under a second per 10 yard, we're talking about two or three strides there. And that's a huge difference. So next time you're watching a game, soccer, football, whatever, and you're watching somebody blow by somebody and they're two strides ahead, that's the difference in this kid from the first test and then five weeks later in that test. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about. It's more efficient. Way more efficient. Now, did we just throw out numbers and did we just throw out data points and all that? Yes, absolutely, 100% we did. But you noticed that my emphasis was on the athletic side of it. That yes, we increased our weight, we increased our ability to lift heavier, but it's why is that important? And that's where we go into the jumps and the sprints and all those things, because that's where it's going to translate for this young man, that he's a soccer player. And those are the things that I need to see are happening so that I know he's safe out on the field, that whatever his 100% was five weeks ago is now his 90%. Mm -hmm. So if he's a really good soccer player and I just gave him the ability to have a 10% better speed, jumping ability, reaction time, all of that. Well, now we go back to that wonderful idea of playing at four-fifths effort, bud winter, relax and win. That at your absolute best, if you can stay calm and not trying to be pressing the pedal to the metal all the time, and you can play at 90%, 
controls better, reactions better, speeds better, bodies get into a better position. These are the things that matter, right? So again, like going into your career, and we've talked a heck of a lot about this over the last five years with your career and overcoming injury and so on and so forth of what does the functional training mean? How does it translate for you on the field? And really, the most important, how does it keep you on the field? Because you're not coming home and getting jammed up, right? right? We're not talking about what you did 10 years ago where you were 205 pounds and trying to be rock solid steady. Whereas now it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll move 225, but we don't really need to go a whole lot heavier than that because at 225, you're moving weight, I mean, you're moving it really, really well, really, really fast. So that's that that's what matters to us. There's load mm-hmm. and there's enough load to trigger the brain response of saying, wow, okay, something's on me right now, but I've got to stay in position and move fast. That will translate onto the field. Right. Yeah. And um, like I said, for me, um, being a pro and, you know, being healthy, um, for the most part, like I said, I, I've, I wish I could go back and focus on like, you know, more mobility and ankle stuff and things like that when I was in college, because those are the things that limited to me. You know, I learned those things late in my career. Um, not so much as late, but early in my career, I learned that those things are the things I should have been focusing on earlier mm-hmm. because those are the things that would keep me on the field longer. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you focus on injury prevention and, you know, a uh, foot and hand dexterity and things like that, because those are the things that are making contact with the ground or with other things are important. Um, you know, you open up yourself to playing more positions, being healthy, be, being more available and, you know, just overall more healthy lifestyle. And for me, I guess, um, as a defensive back, um, you know, wanting to be heavier, bigger, faster, whatever it is coming out of college and then realizing that I didn't need to be, um, it made it that much easier for me to maintain my career because I realized I don't need to be heavy, right? I need to be efficient. I need to be fast. I need to move in and out of space as fast as possible, depending on who it is, what the receiver is, because, you know, nowadays receivers comes in all sizes and speeds. You know, we got, you know, from Julio Jones to, uh, you know, wrestling Wexler, who's like really, really small. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a big difference. You got to mm-hmm. be able to guard everybody. So um, as a defensive back, you know, we don't come off the field. Right. I know I talk about my experiences all the time, but I've had instances where I've had, you know, four different receivers run a nine route on me and (laughs) I was out there every single play. And it was just to try to get me tired for, you know, the next series to try to throw like a hitch or something. Let me force me to back up so they could throw something short. And, you know, as a defense, you're going to be out there. So you have to understand that you're going to be especially if you're going to play defensive back or any kind of defensive position um, in any kind of sport, you're making a reactionary move. It's like. You got to be able to move in a space. And if you're big and fast and strong, sure, you're strong, but it, that's not going to translate to you being able to move efficiently. Right, right. Right. Which is where the knee thing is, you know, really critical for me because my, I never know where my knee is going to be at. Right. I don't I practice my foot placement because I want the foot placement to be where it is, because I know my knee in this position, that's a good position. I can move in and out of space doing that. So practicing it is the biggest part. If I'm practicing leaving my knee out and then I go to try to put it in and my body's not used to that. I risk, you know, something misfiring or like I've been, we've been talking about the adductors because Mm -hmm. the adductors are firing in line. 
and then you step outside, they shut off and you risk it not working and then something pulling just a little right. bit much. You tweak something you never know. And, you know, you tear the ACL, the MCL, whatever. And now you're not available. Yep. Right. And at the pro level, you never want that to happen. Right. Right. You want to be healthy, explosive, fast and not overweight and not having to worry about, you know, maintaining this weight or getting bigger fat you just be healthy right you know whatever's come like i always tell people that like for them like when i was my third year in the league right we get rookies coming in and um you know they ask you you know you know what did what did you do right and i always tell them don't like compare yourself to me right you have to be comfortable in your own skin right i'm not going to make the money for you you're going to make your own money and in order to make your own money you need to be on the field Right. So if you're if you felt the best you've ever felt at 195, be 195. Trust me, they want you at your best. Right. right. They want you at your best. Right. They're not going to tell you put on 20 pounds. We think you'd be better at 220. Right. Right. They're not going to tell you that. Right. If you come in at 220, they might say, oh, on film, you were 195. Right. That's what we saw. Your explosive. What we saw at the combine. You looked a little heavy, a little bit, you know, a little bit. We want you to be comfortable with you. We want the best out of you, right? Nobody's checking LeBron James' weight, right? right. They're not weighing him, telling him he needs to drop weight or what. He he's LeBron James. He knows right. how much he needs to weigh. He knows what he feels and when he feels one hundred percent, right? No one's expecting and him to be in there no, squatting exactly, the house. and no one's expecting him to go in there and squat one rep max, five hundred right. pounds, whatever. He's gonna go in there load the bar with something comfortable that's heavy for him. And he's going to maintain that position, that form for however many reps that he gets. And it's going to be efficient, right? Because right. he's LeBron James and that's what he does. Right. Right. And that carries over to any sport as right. a professional, you have yeah. to maintain. It's not about building strength at that point. Right. I get the collegiate level. Everybody wants to build strength. You're in that phase where you are growing and, you know, people have growth sports or whatever, whatever, but and again, it's fun. Yeah. Lifting and it's heavy, fun. It's fun. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you set PRs and all these things, but like I said, the emphasis here is the functional movement and the strength yes. and the mobility and all that stuff that you miss when you only focus on strength. Right. Right. And that's what we're stressing is that is the most important part, especially when you get to the pro level. Yeah. And let's not get it twisted. We're not saying that we don't think there's a place to lift heavy. That's not at all what we're saying. If you're strong, congratulations. Keep it going. Mm -hmm. Our point is you don't always have to be in there throwing five plates on the bar just to stay strong. And what, what I mean by I'll use myself as an example. Uh, my best ever power clean was 330. Which was it the best? No. Was it the worst? No. But my point is I was able to handle 330 pounds in the power clean one time. But when I felt my absolute best is when I was able to take 250 and rep it. That's when I felt the most explosive. Now, we were working out not that long ago, and we were doing the hurdle workout, plyo workout, and we were doing deadlifts in between as a countdown. So you do five reps, and then you do a plyo, then you do four reps, plyo, three, two, one. And so I got, you know, we were messing around and having fun and lifting, and, and someone challenged me to put 300 pounds on the bar. I'm like, man, I haven't done that in over a decade. Mm -hmm. So my point to that is, and I did it, and I felt actually really good. My point to that is I have not put anything on the bar heavier than 225 in 10 to 12 years, ever. But you can still do it. I can still do it because mm -hmm. of my efficiency in movement right. and 
all of the functional stuff that we do that couples the movement. Yeah. So from the plyos to the abs and the hips and you know, people think we're crazy sometimes because we do so, so much hips, with yeah. abs and hips. Yeah, yeah. And and people always ask that question of why are you doing that so much? And I attribute many times the amount of abs and hips that we do to my ability to be able to still grab a bar that has 300 pounds on it and pick it up without getting hurt, without being sore from it. And that's because of the control of the abductors, the adductors, the glutes and the abs. And and those are, are parts of the system that many times get ignored because we're so focused on getting into the weight room, lifting heavy, doing our, you know, whatever, 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 and doing our major lifts and we move out. But again, athleticism, uh, being able to lift heavy, being able to move heavy things, being able to run really fast, jump really high, jump really far. Those things come from, believe it or not, the stabilizer muscles that are involved. So yes, we're talking about major muscle groups when we're talking about these heavy lifts and being able to do them. But I can tell you from experience that I was at my absolute 100% best when, you know, we start talking about, you know, your plate, right? What you eat. Mm -hmm. And so simple comparison would be the vegetables and the starch are your stabilizer muscles and your core. And that protein that you're eating, that's your major muscle group. But we need to flip that idea of what we're doing. And we need to eat the majority of what we're doing with the vegetables and the starch, and then you have protein with it, mm -hmm. right? So same thing in the strength levels that yes, it's great to be strong. It is so fun to lift heavy. It really is when you're doing it right. And it and there's no pain involved, and you're doing it safely. Lifting heavy is a lot of a lot of fun. I cannot mm -hmm. express I love doing it. Yeah. But that's only 15% of the workout of the exercises that we're doing because on today, like a squat day, when we did a single leg heavy squat day, but when we're talking about going from bottom squat to pause squat to speed squat, that's only three exercises. But in total, if you look at not only what coupled those exercises, but the abs and hips that we did, we probably did 20 different exercises. And the major one was only three of those 20. So now start thinking about how you're training. Mm -hmm. Everything we did, those other 17 movements that we did, not only were preparing us to move the squat better, but get the brain to understand why the strength needed by those squats are important to me functionally. That's what we're trying to get across here. Mm -hmm. Again, we love to lift heavy. It's just not for everybody because unless you're moving it really, really well in a really efficient manner, it's not time for you to go heavy yet, nope. right? It just isn't. You need to learn how to do that first. And all those coupled exercises are what are going to put you there so that again, when it comes down to stress, being in competition, your brain will only resort back to the way you've trained it. And so if I... I'm simply focused on getting the weight up. And just like that chair example of toes out, knees out, you're rounding the back a little bit. And then I go out into the field and I'm trying to change direction, make contact with somebody, strike a ball, whatever that is, I am going to resort back to those mechanics because that's what I've trained myself to do under load. But if I back off the weight 10%, 20%, 30%, whatever that number is, and I move it really well in a really good plane yeah, of even movement. Even moving it faster. I'm moving it faster. I am moving it more efficiently. Mm -hmm. And when it comes down to it, the reaction time is so critical. The speed mm -hmm. 
of reaction is so critical. That's where I'm going to get my best ability from. That's where I'm going to get my best performance from because I've trained myself to perform that way, that efficient manner. So when we talk about, you know, I had a colleague early in my career that said that the technique really wasn't that important. It's really more about getting the weight off the ground. And I wholeheartedly (laughs) disagreed. And now that I've been doing this almost 20 years, I disagree even more because I've, I've tested it on myself. I've tested on thousands and thousands of athletes. And I can tell you that yes, the technique does matter because it's all about how it translates into the functionality outside of the weight room. Because again, I'm only in the weight room for four to six hours a week. Well, what about all the other hours and what about the competition and everything else? And in season that number goes down. So, you know, it's a, it's a support mechanism and that's what it should be. And that's what I I want people to understand that yes, lifting heavy is fun. We'd love to do it, but only when it's efficient. And again, it is a support mechanism for the performance. And that's why we call it sports performance because we're not just coming in and doing strength. We're not coming in and just doing speed and agility. This is an overall full range, Mm -hmm. fully functional performance. And that's what we're trying to get out of it. I run into that, you know, teaching the speed now. Mm-hmm. Um, all the kids are always asking me, why are we always doing glute stuff, right? Or like, <laughs> I put the bands around their ankles for the Love first it. time. Yeah. They never experience anything. Yeah. They're stepping with bands and they're just like, you my glutes. Are, and I'm like, I'm doing that because you guys don't realize that you've ne- you don't even really use your glute, right? Yes. First of all, you don't use it. Second of all, that's going to be the most important piece in running fast, mm-hmm. right? Because if you have strong glutes, driving force into the ground, when you drive force into the ground, you're not propelling yourself faster, you're moving faster, right? So, yeah. and as they do it, now they're learning, oh, you know, I'm loading the glute. Now I can feel it, right? I can squeeze it. I can feel, I know what it feels like to have a strong glute to load it. And I can push and then, from it. And I can push from it once yep. I can push from it. And now you learn. So, you know, and, um, I experienced that with squatting the same way, right? With the knees out. And then once the knees go in, you can now feel the glute. And then once Mm -hmm. you start to feel the glute, you realize now I can recruit all these different muscles. Mm -hmm. Once you feel it, the adductors, the glutes and everything else when you're doing a squat and it all translates, right? Because in speed, I use the glutes to like, those are the things that I'm preaching the most because the knees have to be in line when you're running. Nobody runs with their knees out when you're running in a straight line. You need to be in need to be in line with the toe and you need to go in a straight line in order to, you know, the shortest point, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Right. And that's what right. you want to run on is a right. straight line. So in order to do that, the glutes have to fire. Everything needs to be straight in line and nice and taut. Right. So that's all I've been talking about. And right. it's it's interesting to see kids ask those questions. Why am I doing glutes? And then for it to translate after yep. four or five weeks of us doing it, and they're like, I feel it now, yeah. right? My glutes are not as sore. The first day I did it, my glutes were on fire. Now I'm doing it and I'm using my glutes a little bit more efficiently. I'm running a little bit taller. I'm sitting up. Mm-hmm. I'm striking the ground better. And it's, you know, I love it. I yeah. love to see it because right. a lot of those, they don't understand until you do it. Right. right. And the fun part about it is now all of that gets translated into the lifting side. Mm-hmm. But now that they understand how to engage all those muscles, now we can take them into the deadlifts and the squats and the right. cleans and all those things. And now that it makes sense. Yep. And that's when it's fun. Yep. And that's the best part. And that's the best part. And that's what we're trying to get across Just here. Just make so, it make sense. Right? You know, from strength versus function, 
there's a hybrid there and that's where the performance comes in. And that's, that's where it's the most fun, especially as a coach, because we've done it, we've felt it, we've experienced it. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, paying it forward is all about is, is taking the knowledge that we have, breaking it down to the, the minimalist level and getting them to understand it. And then when they understand it, I mean, you talk about performance enhancement, man, they, those, these kids are just, I mean, the numbers I read earlier, they're jumping off the page now right. because they're starting to understand how to use mm -hmm. the tool to go back to the original conversation that we really started with about going from college to pro. It's all about learning how to use the tool and the tool being the most important thing, mm -hmm. not the numbers behind it, the tool and how it's being used from an efficiency standpoint. Yep, your body. And if you're using it efficiently, the stronger you will be. That's right. Guaranteed. Cool, yeah. man. That was, that was actually a really fun conversation that time flew Good. by yeah cool well do. i guess we gotta get back to the lab and, and yeah. start telling these kids how to do stuff huh? <laughs> all right. right well thanks for listening we appreciate it thank you had a good time